The first rule of Fight Club Minute is we do talk about Fight Club. The second rule of Fight Club Minute is we do talk about Fight Club. The third rule of Fight Club Minute, someone yells stop, goes limp, taps out, the minute is over. Fourth rule, only one guest to a minute. Fifth rule, one minute at a time, fellas. Sixth rule, no shirt, no shoes. Seventh rule, minutes will go on as long as they have to. And the eighth and final rule, if this is your first time listening to Fight Club Minute, enjoy the show. I am Jack's 63rd Minute. I begin with, this is lie, the crucial ingredient. And I end with, what you're feeling is premature enlightenment. I'm your host, Bubba Wheat, and my co-host, Lance Stanford, has gone to his happy place and won't be here this week. And my guest today is familiar with lie, but luckily has not come away with a chemical burn, Molly Balin. How are you doing today? Good. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, it's it's great to have you back. And this this has been a a fun week, as as are most of the weeks here at Fight Club Minutes. But uh, this one especially, I, I feel like this this minute this week, you know, we started off fun, and then this this minute has a lot of really interesting things to discuss. So I'm excited to get into it. Uh, but before we we get to that, I I do like to talk to everybody about you know the 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 fact that fight club has been kind of a magnet for the toxic masculinity community that's that does idolize tyler in an incorrect way so i I do like to help counter that by allowing the guests to share an example of positive masculinity either from movies or tv or or even an example of real life so so molly what, what do you have for us uh, I would argue Ted Lasso, I think, is a very contemporary uh, idea of positive masculinity. I think, um, I, have you seen the, the show Ted Lasso? I have not. I, I have heard a lot of good things, and you're actually not the first person to uh, to mention Ted Lasso. So it's, I, I believe it's it's on Apple TV, is that right? It is, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I'm never gonna watch it no. <laughs> unless I pirate it. <laughs> I'll, I'll get you. I, I'll get you a, a password so you can go ahead and check it out. But it's. Uh, uh, I think he's. Maybe that's low hanging fruit, but I think that there is such a. In general, Ted Lasso as a show is exceptionally positive, and I think also when it came out, I think because. Uh, with the pandemic, things were, and I mean, the pandemic's still technically going on, but I think those acute lockdowns or that acute phase of it, I think having a show that really is so focused on kindness and connectivity and community, and, and Ted comes into a situation that is really openly hostile to him, and they're actively trying to subvert his efforts to be successful. And he comes in with nothing but positivity and really trying to to really kind of win people over in kind of a sweet way. And so I think Ted is a uh, I think he's a he's a kind example of of positivity and thoughtfulness, very modern to the times. I see. I, I am, you know, it's I have nothing against the show. And if I had the opportunity, then I would definitely check it out. But I you know, maybe one of these days, uh, I might give Apple TV a chance, and that that 
that will be top of my list. I'm one of those where I I try to rotate through my uh, streaming services rather than try and subscribe to everything. So I usually have like two or three active at a time. And then whenever I run out of things to watch, I'll cancel it and start another one or like whatever deals because we're recording this shortly after Black Friday. And so I I picked up uh, like the Hulu and Disney Plus and Max for pretty cheap. So I, I'm good with those for a while now. Oh yeah, and that'll that'll do you for sure. Um, I, I do a little bit of crowdsourcing with the family in terms of, of of all the different streaming services, but I think it's really interesting because there's like AMC and there's Paramount and there's it, it's really spun off in a lot of different directions. Um, and I know we ha- we've, we're holding a couple of extra, but it, it's so interesting to me anyway. And I think that you, I think we're probably similar in age, and so we've seen a transition from paying a bunch of money for like premium cable to now streaming services. And the whole idea was, oh, we're going to save you some money. Like when Netflix started, it was like, oh, cool. We're going to mail you DVDs in the mail. And it was this like hyper cheap version. Cause like, if you go to like blockbuster video or whatever, you dealt with late fees. And it's so interesting to me now that if you're subscribing to like most of the major ones, sans deal, but you're paying pretty much probably what we were paying, you know, 20 years ago for premium cable. So it's technically not really saved us any money at all is what we've kind of gotten to. Yeah, especially because, you know, even though I feel like we've streaming services about been around for a long time at this point, but they're still really trying to figure out the the right balance for streaming services in terms of subscription cost and ads and how much they're spending on content because a lot of the newer ones, they, you know, that in order to develop a subscriber base, they come in with a low cost. They spend a lot of money on content. And so they're going to be in the red for several years, hoping to build up the subscriber base. And then they have to raise subscription rates in order to make it sustainable for themselves. And a lot of people, or a lot of companies haven't figured out that balance yet. And they're also trying to compete with other ones. And so it it's really a mix. And I think we're still going to get some of the smaller ones uh, are probably going to fail uh, and completely go under. I think the, the really the only one that I can think of that's that's gone under, which I mean, it's maybe a stretch to call it a, a like a traditional streaming service, but like Quibi. Oh, that's, uh, you know, it, they were, uh, came out with like the short form programs, like their, their shows were like 10 minutes or less. And it was like a mobile only platform and lasted like two years before it went under. But I know a lot of, a lot of them are struggling and it's like, at this point, it looks like Hulu and Disney plus are going to merge, which Mm. I, I think that's. In the long term, I think that's actually a good thing, but uh, we'll see how that all goes. Yeah, I think they're already with, they've been running those packages with like ESPN and Disney mm-hmm. Plus and Hulu for a while now. So I could totally see them merging. And um, and then, you know, let's go ahead and get into <laughs> today's minute, which this is, you know, this is the start of one of the big moments in this movie with the, the, uh, chemical burn kiss 
And you know, we we already talked a little bit about Eli being you know pretty serious stuff, and it's if you talk about like the pH scale that's uh, that most people learn in chemistry chemistry class or science class in high school. It's you have the the pH scale, which is you know zero for the strongest acids and fourteen for the strongest bases, and lye runs around the somewhere between thirteen and fourteen. So it's it's a pretty strong base, and we get this moment, and uh, it's it starts out very weirdly and and almost harmlessly, even though. We can see that that Tyler is getting prepared. He's putting on the thick rubber gloves and the safety goggles. And he just asks Jack for his hand. And then he makes a big show of licking his lips, kissing his hand. And then this whole, and really the only kind of subtle hint in the soundtrack is we have, we get a couple like uh, almost sinister drum beats. And then he drops the lie and the lie powder and says this is a chemical burn and i feel like that is like one of the most iconic moments and then the uh the the score kicks in with like the the violin squeals that really heighten the the emotion of this moment yeah i, I always liked the I mean, in general, they do it several times, but the the media, quick media shots that they do here, where he's, mm. I'm, I'm gonna deal with this. I'm gonna go into my like my cave, and you see like the you see the shot of the forest. Try not to think about searing, and then there's like fire burning. <laughs> there's like a, a definition, like a kind of a shot of like uh, a picture of a dictionary that comes up really quickly. And mm. so I, I like, I think that's a really successful way of conveying of him trying to disassociate from the moment to kind of save himself from the pain. They do a nice job of that here. Yeah, and, and something that, that I, I think this scene really fits into the, the color theory that I've been uh, building as, as I've been talking about this movie. And like a few weeks ago, I really hit on the, the, the fact that Jack is represented by the color green, like the Jack personality mm. is represented by the color green and the Tyler personality is represented by the color red. Mm. And this moment where he is basically being, you could almost say that he is being uh, betrayed by Tyler. And so in his mind, the, he goes into this bright green forest and so I, I feel like that that is him mentally pulling as far away from Tyler as possible, because throughout this entire movie, the colors have been very washed out. Like it's we get a lot of faded greens and a lot of faded reds or like pinks, like with the soap. And so like the these these two personalities aren't very strong and they're, you know, they're they're separate. And so he pulls very far away from the the Tylerness, and so we get this bright green forest, which is as far away from the, the Tyler's red as possible in the in the light spectrum, because in the light spectrum, the the three primary colors are red, green, and blue. Yeah, I think forest is also uh, a shorthand for peace and calm, and you know, life giving and organic and expansive, and so I think that it's this. Uh, 
and you're right it's it's a hypersaturated shot too in comparison to what mm. we're seeing here which is a really desaturated shot yeah and then at the same time like as we go into this a bit more and then he is being pulled back into the tylerness of it because again like we don't we don't necessarily realize this in the moment but whenever we get to the reveal we see that this entire time you know nobody is holding his hand he is like he is mentally holding his hand still and so we we have the the shots of the the burning forest which that that moment is like really shows the battle between Jack and Tyler in his mind and how Tyler is taking over because it's it's this really again it's hypersaturated and it's this reddish orange so that it's the Tyler color but at the same time it is fire burning the forest and the forest is something that's represented the Jack mental state and so this is Tyler's like mental Tyler burning like destroying jack jack's mental state in this this scene and it's mm-hmm. and like i'm like as i'm talking about this and and i didn't even like fully have like i had part of that but i didn't really have that thought fully formed until i started speaking it and i like i i'm i'm the kind of person that like gets giddy when as i'm realizing this and and like how how this really does fit so well with with the psychology and the the foundation of building this movie and Mm. it's it's really fantastic storytelling as as i'm like coming to realize how well it works Mm -hmm. yeah i think that's a really cool perception because like i said i've seen this movie a bunch of times and never really kind of saw them as colors in 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 um an opposition of one another um I do think it's kind of interesting. One of the things, and, and as you were talking, I was thinking about Marla is a, a substitute for the power animal in the cave. And that comes up mm-hmm. a couple of times in this particular minute. And I think that I'd always, I, I never saw her as a power animal for him. Um, but I think there could be an argument to be made that she's invading a quote unquote safe space for him. There's that comment mm-hmm. of like, she invaded my support groups now she's invaded my home and and so maybe that's where they're kind of saying hey she there's there's an invasion there's something about her and i always saw her as more of an inciting incident for him than um something for him to to necessarily take comfort in if if i had to like choose a power animal for him i would say tyler is more of that than marla is but i was curious about what you thought about her showing up in in this particular minute and and her kind of replacing the penguin in a sense. Yeah, and and this is the second time that she has replaced the penguin. And mm-hmm. again, I I do also think that this fits in with the color theory that I'm talking about because the the cave is blue. It's that third primary color whenever you're talking about uh, you know the the different colors of the light spectrum. And so that this is something that's opposed to both the, the green and the red. And so it's it's this third space. And and that also does lend a little bit of credence to some of the fan theories that think that uh, even Marla is imaginary. And mm. this third personality 
of Jack and that she doesn't exist, which I, I don't fully buy into that, but I do think that it's it's worth mentioning. And there are some elements of the movie that do s- help support that, like like this color theory that I've been talking about. <clears throat> and the fact that she is, especially in this moment, she's kind of pulling Jack's mind into a third direction. Mm, mm. Yeah, I mean, even though I, I don't think that the movie hints at that in a direct way i think that it would be you could make a case for that i think that there's mm-hmm. you know comments about and and it happens farther down down the road about let's talk about how her knowing too much is going to compromise our goals um and and the promise that uh, jack makes early on of like don't talk to her about me and so mm-hmm. if you talked about a segregation of, of personalities and, and, a, and a really dominant personality emerging and wanting to take the wheel yeah i could see that you could make that case for it although i I don't think that's actually what the case is i think she really is a real person and Mm -hmm. um was showing up in in real time but do you think that she it sounds like you're kind of on board with that as well that you think that she's she's actually a real person yeah that that's that's where i land but just because that this is a a theory online I, i feel like i at least have to to bring it into the discussion uh because I, I do think that there are some ideas in in that line of thinking that that are interesting and there are some moments that that lend weight to that but <clears throat> i do think that the mo- movie that the way it's presented in the movie is she is a real person and i i also think it's interesting too that whenever he does picture her in his mind and in his mental image that she is never an antagonistic presence because even going back to the first time whenever you know he's describing her as the this tumor this annoyance but whenever he pictures her as her power as his power animal in, in place of the penguin all she does is she says slide which that's that is a positive affirmation you know that that's not she's not saying anything negative in that moment and i think that that kind of betrays his true thoughts towards her because i i feel like jack as a character really does like he is has this obsession with marla that he really does like he's interested in her but he is afraid and doesn't like he's worried because she's too much like the parts of himself that he doesn't like. Mm, yeah, well said. And so he is trying to get away from that. And then throughout this process and the the introduction of Tyler, he, he gets he becomes to realize that, you know, maybe those parts of himself are not that bad. And that's that's why he does eventually end up with Marla, because, you know, his his id, his Tyler does go for marla because that's what his subconscious wants Mm -hmm. and in this moment which is after tyler has been sleeping with marla she enters his uh, his uh, power cave once again and she is presented as a much more sexual figure in this moment because they they have been having sex even though he has he hasn't been fully aware of it Mm mm-hmm yeah, and I love that she exhales smoke here, and he starts to to take it in, and he kind of coughs. So it's like her 
there's even this implication that what she is is somewhat like poisonous to him because there is this mm-hmm. you could interpret as him trying to be in an intimate kind of leaning in for a kiss and she exhales and he coughs and so it it there's a prevention of him being intimate with her in the way that perhaps he'd like to be right and and also one thing that they point out in the commentary uh in in that moment whenever he's leaning over her the, his hand it, like he puts his hand down like right in her crotch basically which again that's that's like a, a very sexual motion mm-hmm. and and that's that's all just you know really great storytelling and you know the this this minute is really like reasons why i i wanted to do this this movie one minute at a time because there are these these fantastic moments like this yeah i mean this is an i mean an ideal movie to be doing this there's just so many good layers of of depth and social commentary and yeah totally lends itself to this Mm -hmm. and have you know you you mentioned we also get the the two uh you know practically just one frame dictionary shots which because they're they're presented so well and i mean i think they might be like two frames because they're they do flash really quickly but they're on long enough that you can at least if you're a fast reader you at the very least see the the sear and the the flesh and you can tell that they're dictionary entries even though i'm i i feel like that they were edited like the the text definitely comes from a real definition because i did manage to find the actual definitions that are used in this uh this movie and uh i i i'm not completely sure like which version but i i did find at least some of it on uh colliers.com on their dictionary as well as dictionary.com which dictionary.com is based on the random house unabridged dictionary and the 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 full text of the definition which we see parts of is, you know, sear, verb, uh, to burn or char the surface of, she seared the steak to seal in the juices, to mark with a branding iron, to burn or scorch injuriously or painfully, he seared his hand on a hot steam pipe. And that's, I, I'm pretty sure that that is the the dictionary entry that we do see because there are enough of those words that match up even though they're not a hundred percent in the right places. I, I, so I don't know if they edited the, the dictionary entry just to put, to fit the right words in the right places. So you, because you really see, you know, you see sear, you see seared, you see branding. Those are really the, the big words that you see whenever you have this paused. And then for flesh, it's, the soft stub, the soft substance of a human or other animal body consisting of muscular and fatty tissue. This substance or tissue in animals viewed as an article of food, usually excluding fish and sometimes fowl, meat. And again, that's that's like the full definition and the parts that you can see, and like the the words, the other words that you can see as part of the def- definition is like uh, fatty tissue and viewed as an article. Yeah, I, I always love that. Uh, I don't know. And hearing you read it, it, it 
actually is more, I don't know, hits home in a more complete way too. It's interesting to, there's an intellectualization of it when you see it in, in word form like that. Um, mm. And so I feel like it also creates a little bit of distance from his pain as well. Yeah. Because it's conceptual versus something that's a little more visceral, visceral like the, the burning forest. Mm. Oh, yeah. And, and also in the middle of this, uh, you know, Tyler is basically, um, you know, like proselytizing to to Jack. You know, he is he's making his speech. He's giving his sermon more or less uh, throughout this whole time. And one of the, the quotes that he says is uh, soap is made from the ashes of heroes like the first monkey shot into space. And of course, this line is important to the movie because this is the genesis of the the space monkeys that uh, that he references later on as he builds project mayhem because he you know he refers to the members of project mayhem as space monkeys mm-hmm yeah he slaps the guy on the back i think it was the first initiate he slaps him on the back of the head after mm-hmm. he shaves his head and he's like like a monkey ready to be shot into space <laughs> yeah and this this also ties in to a quote that he says early in the movie where he says uh, soap is the yardstick of civilization and i actually i didn't realize it or i didn't catch the significance of that quote whenever it first came up but whenever i was like trying to uh remember the exact quotes and i was searching it what actually came up is that that line is taken from the philosophy of sigmund freud that's that's oh. something that's that Freud has actually said is, is that soap is the yardstick of civilization. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I guess I always interpreted that as like hygiene as being necessary for civilization to flourish. But what was Freud's context for that phrase? Yeah, it was pretty much like hygiene and then like bathing is something that, that helps, um, helps you, connect with other people like mm. being clean and smelling good helps with social interactions mm. interesting although i think whenever whenever we talked about it on on the show we were at least i presented it more of the fact that uh, hygiene and soap helps uh, helps prevent disease and then you know the preventing disease helps people live longer and helping people live longer means you have a bigger uh, population and that that was kind of the direction that I went yeah and that was my understanding of the the context of that comment as well hmm. um and then so I think that's that's all of my notes uh do you have anything else uh about this this scene uh, other than you know I I do like the the image of Tyler with these big these giant thick black rubber gloves and this oversized safety goggles mm-hmm. yeah i do too he's kind of mad scientist with it um mm. i i will say that i like that he's like you don't know how this feels and he shows him the scar on his hand tyler shows the scar on the top of his hand and he's like and at that point he calms down because i think yeah, you know when you that's... were making that comment about betrayal that it diffuses that concept because you do think like, oh, he's willfully hurt. And he is willfully hurting him. But mm. you get the sense that it's 
now you understand that this is a part of a, a, a bigger, you know, at least like you're, you're in a pre-enlightenment phase. This is about like your genesis as a human being. It's not to, to, to portray, to betray you by hurting you. And so he kind of calms down in that moment. Yeah. Even though that, um, that does take place next minute. We don't quite get to that in this minute, but I, I am kind of curious because uh, I, you know, in terms of recording, we've, I've technically already talked about this uh, (laughs) next week's guest, but I I am curious to get another take on it. Do you, do you feel like this, that's Tyler, you know, like mental Tyler, if this is basically his initiation as well, that's, you know, the, the scar appearing, like if, if Tyler showed his hand right before this, he wouldn't have the scar. But then whenever he says, you don't know how this feels, like he has the scar because this is Tyler's initiation at the exact same time. Like Tyler is going through this at the same time that Jack is. Yeah. I, I, I mean, chronologically you're, he's showing that he's already been through this process, but the, but you're right. I think that it is actually happening simultaneously in order to give this to other people. He has to go through these transitions himself in order to kind of Sherpa other people through it. So yeah, I think that that's, that's what's happening here for sure. Yeah. And, and it is also kind of funny if you think about it to the, the fact that, you know, Tyler is the one that's, that he's got the safety first and he's got the safety goggles, even though, he's the the fictional one and the the physical body that's going through this has no safety gear at all mm-hmm yeah interesting hmm <laughs> because he, he needs like the the mental safety rather mm. than the physical safety right right yeah yeah I guess it still shows uh, a certain level of discernment from that personality as well mm-hmm. uh, yeah the it's like the there's still the separation between the two the two personalities at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you know th- this is your only week on on this this show, but I did want to give you the opportunity if there was any other part of the movie that that you wanted to talk about uh, before I let you go. You know, here's your chance. Oh, other than spoiling future minutes, um... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you want to spoil future minutes, that's that's quite all right as well. I mean, we already um, ju- we already referenced the the space monkeys and yeah, right, right. Um, you know, I think the only other scene that that I always found to be a little bit, I think it's about jealousy. But there's a, a blonde Jared Leto that shows up a little bit later. I don't know if he's shown up already at this point. No, he has. Movie, yeah. I think he, I think it's a little later on down the road. Yeah. Um, and he just like beats the ever living crap out of him at a certain, you know, like, I don't know, maybe three quarters of the way through. And, and everyone's just like, whoa, dude, like you just went off. And uh, Brad Pitt's like, you know, when did you go psycho boy? And, and his comments, I felt like destroying something beautiful. Yeah. And it's, it's always been a scene that, and I think it's, it was somewhat based upon jealousy because you see Tyler connecting with him and he feels kind of on the outs because he's not getting that, like, I don't know, um, kind of friendship connection from him he makes some sort of comment about like you know i'm i'm jack's jealousy or something and i know that there's probably some more context in the book but it was always a scene that um i saw really tyler bleed through him in and i always thought that was mm-hmm. kind of interesting and never really saw it as jack's character 
really wailing on like it was out of character for Jack to just be like I'm gonna just completely wail on this dude in this way it's a real outlier it's more of a Tyler fusion to me and I was just curious about like Mm -hmm. you know I know you'll talk about that scene eventually (laughs) but if you haven't already but um kind of what you thought of that of it being more of a uh, a bleed through of Tyler's personality yeah I I haven't gotten to recording that yet and uh, haven't really talked about Jared Leto at all yet because he, he hasn't shown up in the movie but yeah I I do think that that's that is a an important moment in the movie and I I am really looking forward to to getting to because I I feel like you know the if you want to say like the the three kind of big scenes in the movie is I feel like this scene, the you know the the lie kiss, the the chemical burn kiss, the um, the fight with Lou, mm. and and the fight with uh, Angel Face. I, I think those are three big moments of the mm. movie, and and I guess that you know the the quote unquote fight with the boss, and uh, I I do think that. Uh, that there probably is is an element, especially where where we are in the movie, at that point, and and I am kind of curious as as I get to go on, as I continue to go on, and to see how how well this this color theory of mine continues to to build through the movie, and to to see if there's any hints of, you know, the 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 melding of the character characters and. I know I mentioned it in in the paper house, like the the paper street house has a lot of yellow, which mm-hmm. is which is uh, green and red together in in the light spectrum. So I'm curious how how much that that builds through and how how much we see of that in the fighting as we go on. It's interesting in um, like Chinese mythology mythology or Chinese culture. You know, you think of uh, Emperor Yellow; it's a seat of power. Um, but it's it's been a fantastic week. Uh, you know, th- this is w- one of the best scenes, and it it continues on to next week. And uh, I, I think we covered a, a lot of great ground here. And thank you so much for joining me all this week. And one more time, why don't you go ahead and let everybody else know where you can be found online? Uh, so I co-host Escape from New York Minute with Eric Deutsch, and that's produced by Brad Mendenhall. And then I'm also co-hosting with Cabin and Minute Cast with Heidi Bennett. And I produce a podcast called Wednesday Wake Up with Gregory Malouf, and that's WednesdayWakeUp.com. All right. And as always, I am Bubble Wheat, and you can find me on social media where I'm at Bubble Wheat. You can find my co-host Lance Stanford on social media as The Night Nerd. And we are also a part of the Rabbit Hole Podcasting Network which you can find at rabbitholepodcasts.com. There's a bunch of other great podcasts there about movies, TV shows. Uh, you know, there's a an X-Files podcast. There is uh, a book club podcast. There is all, you know, music podcasts, uh, all sorts of things there. And anything you're interested in, um, you know, uh, there's even a board game podcast uh lots lots of great content on the site and um until next time this has been fight club minute and this podcast is ending one minute at a time i tried not to think of the word cereal or flesh Stop.